Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, it's going to be a great day uh, in the Word today. Uh, we're going to continue our series, and we're, we've been in a series called Matters of the Heart, and it's been a really great time together. If you haven't uh, listened yet, I encourage you to go back. We're looking through the values of our church, and it's really easy when we talk about values just to kind of focus in on kind of church stuff. And what I wanted to do through this thing is I wanted to talk about, yes, these are, are, are about, I think, eight or ten values. We kind of do them in eight weeks, but it's about ten, I think. Uh, ten values articulating who we are as a church and why we exist as a church. But beyond just, just as a church, I wanted to boil it down to really get down to the heart of the issue. And it's easy just to kind of say, oh, this is our value and this is our mission. This is what we do. But I wanted to go down deeper into the matter of our heart and really begin to ask ourselves the question, uh, do the things that we're talking about, are they really who we are? So we've talked about loving God, loving people. We love God. We love people. We love the family. And today... We're going to talk about we love you for you. Prioritizing people for who they are first before what they can do is truly a matter of the heart. And if you want to look at our values, you can go onto our website and check those out there if you want to kind of look ahead and see all those. But come on, we're we're going to get into this today by reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9 is our key text today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, in our world today, our society, our society really, really values what we can do. We have pro athletes and, uh, and celebrities and actors and musicians who all we value because they're the best at the best. And oftentimes we disregard who they are. We live in a world where what you can do far outweighs who you are. And the reality is, is that their giftings and their talents and their abilities gives them a voice and gives them influence when in reality, often their lives aren't reflected as something that you and I would follow. All throughout our world today and all throughout our society, people uh, value what you can do over who you are. See, the church, it can sometimes be the same, but our heart would be is that it's who before the what that we value you for who you are, 100% who you are, all your idiosyncrasies, all the weird things about you, all the weird jokes Tyler wants to tell, all those things that we just love you no matter what. And there is proof right there, amen? amen. <laughs> there it is, okay. We love you for who you are well before you do what you do. And as we look at this today, we have to remember that often we live our lives, we live our external lives and our jobs and our marriages uh, at the church, how we serve, based on what we do for people, based on needing people's affirmation, needing people's love, needing people's desire for us, because we sometimes lack 
identity in Christ and who we are in God. We do it from a place of needing affirmation when in reality, God gives us all the affirmation and the identity and the love that we need. And out of that flows our ability to do for God's kingdom or do in our job. And oftentimes our identities are so wrapped up in this that when things fall apart in our lives, when things happen, when maybe you're serving in a ministry and something goes on or you're offended or maybe it's a job or career that you're pursuing and it falls apart, often when those things fall apart, so do you because our identity is wrapped up in what we did. I no longer have that promotion. I, it wasn't given to me, so I, I crumble because my identity was attached to that win or that value or maybe I wanted to start that business or I wanted to have that family or I wanted to make sure that ministry, that I was doing that ministry, whatever it might be, we often, when those things fall apart, we crumble and fall apart too because we have to had our identity attached to what we did and what people thought about us rather than our identity in Christ and in Christ alone. It's so easy for us to do this. And often we say, who am I if I can't do this? Fill in the blank. Who am I if I can't lead worship? Who am I if I can't play that instrument? Who am I if I can't lead that ministry? Who am I if I can't get that promotion? Who am I if I can't have that job or have that car or aspire to that reality? Who am I if I can't accomplish this by the time I'm 50? Who am I? Because all of our identity is often attached to what we do with our physical lives when in reality that's backwards for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And in the church, we value you for who you are, a son and daughter of the Most High God, redeemed and forgiven, the child of God, a part of the family, a brother and sister in Christ, trying to figure this life out just like we are. We get to do this together based on the who of you, who you are, not just what you do, but you need to know that what you do is very important as well. And so we look at this, we realize that we see this often in the church. This has happened for many years. And if you're if someone who's maybe done this today, I don't want you to take offense to this. I just think there's a permeating issue that across the churches often I hear of different people saying, man, I went to that church and I served and I was just a cog in the system. I was just, I was just another, another number for them to accomplish their goals. Or I was just, they didn't even care about me. They just wanted me to work for them or do for them. And what I realize is often when people come into the house of God and maybe they've been in church for a while, people who are newer followers of Jesus, they don't do this. They just serve because they want to be here. But often if you've been in the church for a while, you've served in different capacities and often we get hurt. I've been there. We get hurt because when we walk into the church, we offer ourselves and say, I want to serve in this area and I want to do this thing. And then that's awesome. But first, I tell people this all the time. I just want you to rest. No, no, I want to serve, but I want you just to rest. No, no, I want to serve. That's awesome, but I just want you to rest. Why? Because I want you to figure out who you are in Christ. I want to know who you are before you can just start serving, just in case your identity might be wrapped up in what you're doing rather than in God. It's so easy to get people to come into the church and say, put them to work, put them to work, put them to work, especially in a church plant like ours. But it's so vital that you understand that our heart for you is that you wouldn't just get to work, that the work that you do in the house of God will be an overflow of your relationship with God out of who you are. And you'd say, man, I don't do this because I have to or because I'm obligated to do. I do it because I'm serving my father. I like Ryan and he's a nice guy, but I'm not doing this for him. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this because I found my identity and my hope and my affirmation and my satisfaction in Christ alone. It's funny because Jesus actually experienced uh, a temptation to perform for people. 
fascinating that, that as I thought about this idea that Jesus himself was tempted in his humanity to perform for people to prove himself of who he was. I mean, think about it for a moment. All these people followed after Jesus. They loved what he did for them. They loved the miracles. They loved the message of hope. They loved the good news. They loved everything Jesus did. But in one moment, they loved what he did. In the next moment, they hated who he was and they crucified him. I mean, when Jesus was in the, in the desert for 40 days fasting, it's interesting if you look at the temptation of the devil. The devil came to Jesus. And here's Jesus trying to live, you know, kind of honor God and follow after God. He's really, truly, really coming into tune, into touch with who he is as, as God's son, as the father. He's having this deep communication with his father. And the devil comes to him and says this. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, if you really are who you say you are, perform for me. Turn this rock into bread. Prove it to me. I want you to perform for me. I want you to want my value. I want you to want my esteem. I want you to want my affirmation. So if you're really who you say you are, if you're really that great of a person, if you're really that much of a follower of God, prove it by doing to make me happy. And Jesus looks at him and he says this famous verse. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He said that this is what he said to Satan. I don't have to prove myself to you. I only live my life based on what God says about me. I don't have to work for you and prove myself to you and show you through my works that you think that I'm something great. I don't need your affirmation. I don't need your value. I don't need your esteem. I got all I need from my heavenly father. Every word that comes out of God's word, every message and every, every uh, piece of bread that comes from God's word, that's how I judge who I am and who I am not. I ain't got to prove nothing to you. How about when Jesus is on the cross? He's being crucified. Two criminals next to him. One of them says this, look at this. He hurled insults at him and says, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you like this great musician? Aren't you like this great person? This is what the mindset is when we focus on what before who. Oh, I want what you do, but I really don't want to care about who you are. Look at the catch. Look at the, the caveat in this man's request. He says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us too. <laughs> There's a bit of a catch there, isn't there? That when we base our lives on what we do versus who we are, often there's a catch. Either there's a catch with people wanting something from us. They really don't care about who we are. They really just want what we can give them. Or sometimes we do things for people hoping that they will need us. Why? Because we don't have our identity in Christ. When we find our identity in Christ and we find out who we are in him and we are delighted in the fact that we are his masterpiece and that we get to rest knowing that God, my God approves of me and he is pleased with me, that's exactly what Jesus did. That's why Jesus could fulfill and do all the things that he did for God. That's why Jesus was able to go to the cross and be crucified and rise on the third day. It wasn't because he necessarily wanted to die a criminal's death. He said, God, let your will be done. And look what God, the Father, said about his son. He said this in two different verses. This is my dearly loved son. Look at this. Who brings me great joy? He didn't say, this is my dearly loved son. What he does brings me joy. I just love it when Jesus walks on water. I just love it when Jesus heals people. I just love it when Jesus tells jokes. I just love it when Jesus serves at the church every single week. I just love it. Now, God does love your sacrifice for him, but he only loves it when you do it out of love and affirmation for your father. This is my dearly loved son. Who brings me 
great joy. Jesus knew that who he was brought his dad love and affection. He knew it was who he was as, a crea- as, a cre- as, as, as God's son, and you and I as God's creation, and you and I as God's sons and daughters, and you and I as the children of the Most High God, and you and I as people who are called of God, beautiful, precious in his sight, called of him, pure and spotless in his sight. You and I are make God joyful, who we are, not just what we do, Think about that for a minute. You could get out of bed this morning and not do a single thing for God. And he says, oh man, look at him. He just brings me joy. Look at his nasty hair and his smelly breath. He just brings me joy. Because God loves you. If you're a parent here, you know what it's like. To, now I know what it's like to look at your kids and want to, uh, you know, make them sleep outside in the cold because they're, you know, but I, I'm just kidding. Camera, I'm just kidding. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this guy's terrible. I'm saying that you know what it's like to look at your child and have that overwhelming sense of, oh man, I just... You could do no wrong. I just love you. That's how God sees us. Who we are, not just what we do. You and I bring him great joy and you and I must function out of our identity in Christ. Now, I know this is so fundamental and this is so elementary, but when I begin to study for this, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Ryan, you'd be shocked at how many people are living their life out of do and not out of being. How many people are living their life based on what, not based on who? I would say a large majority of people spend all their time trying to gain the affirmation and love of people when in reality, all we need is the love of an affirmation of our Heavenly Father. And guess what? You already got it. Ephesians chapter two, look what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. Handiwork. This is the Greek word poemai. It's where we get the English word poem. We have to use five English words to define this word masterpiece we have to use our five senses, our, our sight and our hearing and our taste and our smell and our touch. Those five words are the English words that make up this word poemai. It's the English words that make up this word masterpiece. This word was only used two times in the New Testament. One time to define how beautiful you are and how you are God's masterpiece, about how you are God's handiwork. And it's also used in Romans chapter 120. For, for ever, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made, through the poemai, through the, the masterpiece that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. He says, when you look at the world, when you look at the earth and the cosmos and the Grand Canyon and the beauty of the sunset and the sunrise, when you look at the beach, my aunt lives at the beach and I go to her house on the deck and look over the beautiful ocean, I am over with the realities and the vastness of creation. And this is the same word that Paul used to define you, that you are the poem of God, that you are the masterpiece of God, that you are the handiwork of God. God uses to define you and me. And often we live our lives so cheaply. We live our lives looking for the affirmation and love from another human Another masterpiece, when in reality, your creator and your writer and your author and your finisher and your God loves you just the way that you are. He looks at the beauty of the sunset and he looks at the cosmos above us and the beauty of these pictures and, this, uh, and the, the, this, the, the galaxies and the sky and the sunrise. These are all the masterpiece of God and he used the same word to define you. It says in the verse that we are created anew in Christ Jesus. 
This means that when everything was made at creation, God created the heavens and the earth and you were formed in your mother's womb. You were knitted and formed in the very depths of your mother's womb. But when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, guess what? You were made anew. You were a new creation. You were birthed anew. That means he took a broken, beat up, worthless person and he took that person and he made you new. A broken, old, worn out creation and he restored you into a new person. So now when you give your life to Jesus, there's a new who and there's a new what. And often when we become followers of Christ, we, we don't function with the who, but we learn how to do the what. We learn how to go to church and we learn to pray and we learn to read our Bible and we learn to worship and we learn to do and we learn to go and we learn to do and we learn to do and we learn to do and we never actually stopped and learned to be a who. <laughs> we never stopped and just Stop trying so hard and stop realize that your father in heaven just simply loves you because you're his creation. And when you gave your life to him, it was a gift. It was by nothing that you've done. It was nothing that you did to deserve the grace of Jesus Christ. He just loved you and he gave it to you and he transformed you and he made you anew and he gave you a new life and he gave you a new heart and he gave you a new mind and he gave you a new future. And he says, now I'm gonna change who you are so I can change what you do. Because from the foundation of time, he had already planned the good works that you would do with your life. But you will not fulfill those good works for your life if you can't figure out who you are. We'll spend our entire lives doing all sorts of things, thinking that we know what we're supposed to do with our lives when we never stopped and realized that it doesn't start with you doing. It starts with you realizing that I just get to rest in the presence of my father, knowing that God, I could do never do another thing. And you love me drastically and you love me relentlessly and you just love me for who I am. See, we want to be a people who loves you for you before what you do. You're a masterpiece. You're created anew in Christ Jesus. You no longer base your life on the what of your life. You no longer base your life on whether that teacher or that principal or that boss values you as much as you hope they would or that person at work or that spouse or that relationship. You're no longer living your life based upon their estimation and assessment of you. Now you're living a life every day knowing that I have the approval of my father. And I know I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but you're going to go home today and say, I think I know what he was talking about today. We just need to stop working so hard and rest and recognize that everything that God has designed for your life, all the purposes that God has for you, the good things that God has prepared for you, he will accomplish those things in your life. But you first must rest in the fact that your father approves of you as you are right now. You will not find the satisfaction and fulfillment that God desires for your life to feel like you're, you're a fish in water, like you're a bird in the air, to feel like I'm doing everything I was created to do until you can stop performing for man and start living a life to serve and honor the Lord and the Lord alone. That's how you can begin to experience the fulfillment. That's how you can take a job as a janitor that you hated to now a job as a janitor that you love because this job doesn't define me, my God does. 
That's how you can go to being a barista at Starbucks or you can go being a street sweeper or an accountant or an engineer and saying, man, this job no longer gives me definition any longer. I love it and I find fulfillment in it, but not because it's the work I do, but because I know that I found my approval in my father and he's given me the gifts to do this. And now because I do this, you're going to make the money or be blessed or however God wants to bless you and you find fulfillment every day and you can go home knowing that I've done everything that I can do. Why? Because you found your approval in your heavenly father and he stopped trying to find it from your boss. You stopped trying to find it from those around you. And you found yourself in Christ, in Christ alone. See, this word here, this idea here that this is the progress, that if you can embrace this simple yet difficult reality, out of that will come the outflow. We love God, love people sermon. We talked about that water flowing out. It's the same concept, that if you can accept the fact that as you are right now, even in the areas of sin in your life, now, yes, does God want to change your life? And yes, does God want to change our behavior over time as he speaks to us? Yes, that's the Lord's job. Our job is just to receive the fact that as you are right now, he loves you, he embraces you, he accepts you. You are enough for him. Why? Because you were never enough for him in the first place, but he still died for you. And the reason you're enough for him because Jesus's blood and his righteousness covers you. So now when the father looks at you, he doesn't see your brokenness and your sin. He sees your restoration and your wholeness because all he sees is Jesus. He sees righteousness. He sees wholeness. He sees restoration. He sees purpose. He sees his loving son and daughter. That's all God sees. Can you consider that for a moment? When you look at God, sometimes you see an angry dad. When God looks at you, he just sees the blood of Jesus. And he looks at you and says, oh man, I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus because it covers a multitude of sin and it makes us who we are and it redefines us as people. And if I could just rest in that reality, guess what happens? Your life will find fulfillment and satisfaction. Embrace this and realize that now we get to the part where what you do does matter. What you do in the house of God does matter. In fact, if you don't do in God's house, we won't function healthy as a church. And if you don't play your part, the part God gave you, if you don't play your spiritual gifting in the house of God, I want you to know the church will suffer. The Bible tells us very clearly that when every part does its part together, it causes the church to be healthy. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. See, if you and I don't play our part in the church, you and I don't play your part at your job, or if you don't do the things that God was planned for you long ago, if you don't find out what that reality is for your life, the spiritual gifting God is for your life, and everyone here has at least one of them, if you don't find that reality and realize that if you don't do, if you come to Love City Church, but you're not engaged in using your spiritual gifting, the church of Jesus Christ suffers. We are not a healthy body. Something's wrong with our system. Something's wrong with our body. And say, what's the problem? Well, people aren't identifying themselves in Jesus. They're just doing, or maybe they're not doing at all because they don't know who they are. There's only two scenarios. Either we don't know who we are, so we don't do anything at all, or we, we, we don't know who we are, so we all try to overdo. And see, what we need to do as we come to the house of God is rest in the fact that you don't have to do anything to give anyone's approval. All you have to do is be and accept the approval of your father. And guess what happens? All I want to do is I want to serve the house of God. 
I just want to serve other people. I just want to serve God. I want to love people. I want to love God. And I want to love people. I want to love God. I want to love people. I want to, I want to love you for who you are. I'm going to love you for who you are. I'm going to love you for who you are. And I'm going to serve you, serve you, serve you. Why? Because I don't do that to get your affirmation. I do it because my Father already approves of me. And it's an overflow of my life. And now the church gets healthier. And the church begins to grow. And the church is full of love. And you're finding fulfillment. You know that word grace in this scripture in Ephesians chapter, chapter 2? It says, only by God's grace have you been given salvation. It's not just grace. It's not just salvation received by grace, but it's also our gifts. So we receive who we are by grace and we receive what we do by grace. Both of them are God. You know that word grace actually means to receive satisfaction, fulfillment, pleasure, and joy. That when we function by God's grace, by accepting who we are and starting doing what he's called us to do by his grace, guess what happens? You experience the satisfaction you've been looking for through the approval of your boss. You experience the approval that you've been looking for from God in heaven. You begin to experience a satisfaction and a, and, and a comfort. You begin to experience a peace and a joy that you never had before because you're no longer functioning in this world based on needing other people. I just need my Father. I just need my God. And He begins to give His grace to you and He pours it out in your life. But what happens is, is that when we step out of that grace, we start doing the what? And we start to lose our joy and we start to lose our pleasure and we start to lose our fulfillment and we start to get disgruntled and we start to get bitter and we start to get angry and we start to get dry and we start to get upset and we say, God, why am I here? And God, what's the purpose? It's because we stepped out of grace. See, the grace of God is a free gift for you, for you to accept that he loves you and he approves of you as a son and his daughter, plain and simple. The grace of God gives you the capacity to do the great things he's called you to do. I'm going to use Julie as a great example. Julie has found her spiritual gifting. Julie, along Stephanie, basically runs everything around here. And that's a spiritual gifting on her life. She partners with Stephanie in that. But when Julie stepped into that, I'm telling you, the joy that Julie has, the, the, the satisfaction she has found. And guess what? It's easy for her. She shows up, but can I do more? No, you've done it. You've done tons, but I feel like I should do more. That wasn't very hard. It's because God's given you the grace to do it and you found your satisfaction in your heavenly father. And now you get to do and find satisfaction and joy and the house of God grows and becomes healthy and there's love and you love coming back and being a part of the team and serving in the house of God. Why? Because I don't do it because I'm trying to make myself feel better. I do it because I love my father. I want to end on a quick story here. You all know this story, but let me tell it for those in the room who maybe don't. Luke chapter 15. Jesus in the scripture is telling a story about two sons that lived in a house with his father. The first son came to, came to this, this father and said, I want my inheritance. When you die, I want the inheritance that I would get when, you, when you're dead. He gave it to him. And as you know, in this story, this son went out and he blew the entire money on wild living. And then a famine came and he needed to find a job. And so he got a job getting all, feeding pigs. And one day he's standing in this pig pen and he looks down at all the pods of the food of the pigs. And he looked down and he thought to himself, man, I'm so hungry that I would eat this pig food. And then the Bible says this. It says, he came to his senses. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and earth. 
heaven in you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now notice the language. I am not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy for your approval. So just let me do, just let me work, just let me do the what. I don't want to be the who because I don't deserve it, but I'll do the what. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve being your son. Just make me a paid servant. Make me a hireling in your house. Just, I'm just going to work because I don't deserve it. See, many of us are just like that. We work and we work and we work and we do because we don't feel like we deserve the approval and the love of our Father. There's a second story here. As this young man was coming in to see his father. Look what happens. It says, he returned home and his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe of the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. I don't care what you've done and I don't care what you've been and how hard you've worked. I want you to know it doesn't matter. You are worthy to be my son. And I approve of you and I love you. But there was another son in the story. His son heard that he was having a party and he got really upset with this father. And it says that the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. And look at the language. He replied, all these years I've been, I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all the time, you never gave me even one of your young goats for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said this, look, dear son, you have everything. You've always stayed by me and you have everything that I have is yours. We have two sons here. One son says, I don't deserve your grace, so I'm going to work for it. The other son says, I'm in your house. I've been here for a long time. But I've, he stepped, he forgot and stepped out of the grace. He stepped out of realizing that everything you have is yours by the gift of grace for God. So I sit in his house and I don't want to be a part of it. And I don't want to engage. And I don't want to be there because I don't want to get hurt. And I don't want to get abandoned. And I don't deserve the love of my father. And so these two sons had to recognize this reality. The father wanted to give them everything. He wanted to give them fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and grace and mercy. He wanted them to have a joyful life, a happy filled with the grace and the mercy of God, knowing that I have approval of my Father. And because of that, I get to do what satisfies me with my life. It doesn't matter how unworthy you think you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It's only by His grace today that you and I can say, okay, God, I don't deserve it. Okay, God, I've been kind of just working in your house as a slave. I've just been doing. But now, God, I want to come back to the place where I recognize that you're my heavenly father and that you love me no matter what and that you approve of me. I want you to hear this today. Son and daughter, he loves you. This sounds funny, I know, but I want you to listen to me today. Everyone look at me for a moment. From the oldest to the youngest, I'm proud of you. This is God talking to you today. I'm proud of you. You're, you're a great dad. You're, you're doing a great job. Come on, you're a great mother, working hard. 
You're a great son. Come on, you're great parents. You're doing a great job raising your kids and working hard for God. Come on, you're doing good things for Jesus. And I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of all the things you've done. I'm proud of you, Kevin. You gave your life to the Lord and you're doing your best to serve the Lord. He's proud of you. Chantal, he's proud of you. Raising those two girls. He's proud of you. He loves you. Young State, he's proved of you. He cares for you. He loves you. There's nothing, another second you could do in your life to work for his grace. He loves you unconditionally today. Every person in this room, capture what I'm telling you today. He loves you for who you are, not what you do for him. He loves you. He just does. Accept it. Receive it. Enjoy it. Receive the joy of the Lord. Receive the grace of God. Receive the mercy of Jesus in your life. Just receive it. And I'll make you a promise. Everything you do with your hands will be blessed. Everything you do with your hands will bring you joy and fulfillment. And you'll no longer be bitter and angry and frustrated at your life that you're living. you say, gosh, I'm going to stop trying to find my attention and my affection from man and from this world. And I'm just going to find my approval from my Heavenly Father. Would you stand with me this morning? Just bow your heads. I want to pray for you today. Lord, we just want to say thank you, God, that you love us. That's it. You just love us. Thank you, God, that in our wretchedness and our mistakes and we fall short, Lord, you just, you just look past that, Lord. And Father, you just love us and you put your arm around us today and you just say, man, I just care about you so much. care about your life and I care about your heart. And God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Father, that when we ran to you and felt unworthy, you just said, oh, no, you're okay. My son, my dearly loved son is back. It's okay. I love him. So we just say, Father, thank you for your love. Come on, anybody in the room today want to accept Jesus Christ in their life? You're here today and you don't know Jesus. I'm looking across the room. I'm pretty sure everybody does today. But if not, you're here today and you say, man, I don't know the Lord and I'd like to accept him into my life today. Would you just flash your hand up real quick so I can see you and you can put it right back down. Come on. Lord, we thank you for a great day in your house. Let us go in the confidence and the security that, Lord, you love us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.